Good morning, Lakeview Church. Man, thanks for being here today. What a, what a day out there. And can we just take a moment and give it up for our parking lot attendant this morning working out there? I thought to myself this morning, of all the dream teamers that are going to serve and help things happen this morning, will we have a parking lot attendant who will go out there in this weather and greet people as they drive into our lot? And we did. And that's amazing. And I want to just give a shout out to our parking lot attendants who are working out there today. So glad that you're here. Thanks for braving the cold. And for those of you who are not here in the room, those of you who are joining us online, as I do every week, just want to look right in that camera and welcome you. We are so very glad that you're here. Whether you're watching this live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we're glad that you have joined with us today. And for those of us here in the room, can we give a big welcome to those who are joining us online? Last week, we uh, launched into this season in January, which we call 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And we've been meeting in here all throughout the week, 6 a.m., Monday through Friday. We've had about 45 people joining us in the mornings for prayer. And we've just been seeking the Lord together. And it's been a wonderful time. We had a prayer service here yesterday morning at 9 a.m. And of course, we're giving some extended time to prayer in our services on Sunday. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't start with us last week, I want to encourage you to have 14 days of prayer. You'll be, you'll be right here with us tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Come on out. I know it's going to be cold, but it'll be warm in here, and we'll have a great time seeking the Lord in prayer. And so we want to encourage you with that. As we launched into last Sunday, uh, we kicked off a new message series, and I announced our theme for this year. Our theme for this year is built on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says this, Now all glory to God, who is able to do immeasurably more or infinitely more than all that we could ask or think. And our theme for 2024 is what Pastor Christian said earlier, more in 2024, that we would pray and seek more from God, more of God's presence, more of his work of saving people and bringing people into relationship with him, more baptisms as people courageously and publicly profess their faith and their commitment to follow Jesus, more life change, that for every single one of us in this church, we would take steps of faith with Jesus in the year ahead and God would change our lives. And that as he does that, we would see more works of his hand, more miracles, things that could only be explained by there is the power of God at work in our lives and through our lives to make a difference in this world. And in an election year, praying for more unity inside of the church. Right, that, that as God's people, we would be a living signpost to the world of what it looks like for a group of people to live and dwell together in unity. We may not agree, and in fact, we probably won't agree on every issue, every situation, every circumstance in our world. That's okay. We have something more important that brings us together. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is Father over all, and we belong to him. We're his family, and so we live together in unity. And then that we would have more connection out into our community. One of the things that I've been praying for over the last several months just really have sensed the Lord laying it on my heart for our church is that, that our church in this year would turn its attention outward. God's been doing some great things among us and I celebrate that and I want that to continue. But I am praying that in this year, God would turn our attention out into our community and we would find ways to move out into our community more consistently, more intentionally to serve and to make a difference. And to that end, we pulled together a group of people from our church and we're calling them the local outreach team. And their job is not to go out and do all of the outreach. Their job is to put all of the plans and, 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 and programming and schedule together so that all of us as a congregation can be mobilized to move out into our community to serve, meet needs, and make a difference. 
And you're gonna hear a lot more about outreach as the year unfolds, but I wanna let you know about an outreach event, our first one of the year that's coming up in February. On February 10th, we've designed a Saturday night event for kids, but it's really for parents. We're doing something called Parents' Night Out. You drop your kids off here at 4 p.m. We're gonna feed them. We're gonna uh, give them all kinds of activities and fun. We're gonna do our very best to absolutely tire them out. And you pick them up at 8 p.m. So you get four hours to go have fun yourself. And maybe that's going out on a date. Maybe it's going out to dinner. Maybe it's just peace and quiet at home. We don't care what you do with the four hours. They're yours. All that we ask is that you remember to pick your kids up at 8 p.m. We're bringing in a group from outside called Remix Education. The guy who leads this ministry used to be a professional mascot. Yes, he was a professional mascot. His name is Jiggy. And he's coming to our church with his team and they're gonna do a wonderful night of activity and fun. Your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, they're gonna love it. So birth through fifth grade can come here on Saturday night, February 10th from four to 8 p.m. Parents, you can have the evening to yourself to go have fun. And listen, this is a great opportunity for you to let everyone in our community know because it's not just open to people who are connected to our church. Any kids are welcome at that event. And so we're just, we just want you to invite anybody who's got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, get them here. It's gonna be a great time. There's more information that's available on the hub. You can find it there. We wanna encourage you to check that out. Now, not everybody has kids or grandkids. Maybe you're kind of past that stage in life and, and you have that night free. I want to encourage you to come serve with us. It's going to be a great night of just loving on kids and ministering to them and having fun with them. The team that's coming is doing all of the programming, so we just need people to greet families as they're arriving, help with check-in. We've got some food prep and service. We've got just the kind of fun hangout responsibilities, just be with the kids and, and enjoy the night with them. And it's going to be a wonderful time. So again, if you're a parent, drop your kids off and go have fun. If you're not a parent, sign up to serve, and there should be a QR code right there. You can scan that right now and sign up to serve with us. This is an opportunity for us to serve and make a difference in the lives of parents and young families in our community, and we want you to be a part of it. Now, if you missed the QR code, there are some signs at the back of the room, and you can scan it there and check out more information about this upcoming event. Okay? Good? February 10th, 4 to 8 p.m. It's going to be a great time. Be praying about it even now for that to be an effective event reaching into our community. Now, this morning, we're in week two of our new message series, which we're calling Inside Out. We launched this series last week as part of our emphasis in January, really to help us grow spiritually as a church. And we talked last week about how God wants to help us grow in our inner being. And that's really kind of the point of this message series, that the work that God does doesn't begin on the outside of us, like transforming our behavior first. God wants to do a work deep on the inside of us, actually changing us at the soul level. And then that transformation works its way out into our lives. And this morning, in the second week of this series, I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Now, when I say this, for some of you, in your mind, you just imagine spinning heads. At least Dory did. That's kind of the way Hollywood has sensationalized spiritual warfare, right? Like spinning heads as religious leaders confront the demons inside of this person. And, and, and we kind of see those images or think about spiritual warfare that way. And we might be tempted to think that that's just kind of pretend or made up. Or maybe we think that that's real, but that's not what we experience in our lives, and so we kind of think spiritual warfare really isn't for us. It's just for a really small group of people who are in those kind of situations. And we've not been in that, so spiritual warfare doesn't matter. 
Or for some of you, when I said spiritual warfare, you may have thought to yourself, well, that doesn't really matter anyway because the devil's not even real. And, and you might think to yourself, yeah, but we're in church and wouldn't most people here think that the devil is real? Well, the reality is, is that when American Christians were asked, do you believe the devil is real? More than six out of 10 of them said no. That they just believe that he's kind of a concept that we use to speak of evil and wrong in our world, but he's not actually a real being. And so whether you think that spiritual warfare is kind of that crazy extreme and and that's never happened in your life so it doesn't matter to you or you think it's pretend, the reality is if you buy into either one of those extremes in this continuum, I think the enemy has you exactly where he wants you to be. Because you do not believe in that moment that spiritual warfare is something that pertains to you or even matters. And so you just kind of, you're kind of unaware and you leave yourself as a result unprotected from what the enemy is attempting to do in your life. And this morning, what I want to do just for a little bit is just try to, try to take us into the scriptures to show us what the scriptures have to say about spiritual warfare. And I want to do this in a way that I hope will be incredibly practical for you. And so as we unfold this message today, where we're going to end is with three things that you can do every single day to engage in spiritual warfare. And I'm going to challenge you as we move from this service into our week and throughout the rest of 2024 that we would make it our commitment to engage in spiritual warfare on a regular basis. And so though we've already prayed in this service a couple of times, I want to pray one more time and commit the rest of these moments in the word of God to the Lord and ask him to speak to us. So let's pray together. God, we come before you this morning in these moments. And as we take the next few moments of this service to dig into the scriptures, to see what they have to say to us about spiritual warfare, God, I am asking you this morning to set aside everything that might distract us, whether we're here in this room or at home watching online. I pray, God, that every distraction would be pushed away that our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits would just be in tune with your word and your voice this morning and that you would speak to us. And I pray, God, that you would teach us what you want us to know today so that we can faithfully live for you in the year that is ahead, that we would no longer be unaware and unprotected from the schemes of the enemy, but we would know what we need to know so that we can do what you have called us to do, to take our stand against the devil and his schemes. So God, speak to us in these moments, we pray, and we will give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning, I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. All throughout the month of January, we're kind of building the, the, the teaching from in this series from passages in the book of Ephesians. And I want to begin there this morning in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. This is probably one of the most famous, most read, most quoted, most referred to passages of scripture when we think about spiritual warfare. This is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is 
the word of God. Now, this passage about the armor of God, I think teaches us four things about spiritual warfare. And I wanna go through them very quickly because this is just the introduction. The first thing we learn from Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare is that we have an enemy. We have an enemy. This passage refers to the devil, not as some abstract concept of evil, but as a real being, a real entity who is scheming against you. And along with the devil, there are rulers and authorities and powers and evil forces that are at work in this world. And I want you to know today that in this world, we have an enemy. And if you don't believe me, it doesn't matter because it doesn't make that enemy any less real. We have an enemy. Second thing we learn is that that enemy is fighting against us. The devil is scheming. The, the rulers, the authorities, the evil forces that are at work in this world, they have a mission and their mission is to stand against us, to keep us from becoming everything that God wants us to be. We have an enemy and he's fighting against us. Lesson number three, we can win through God's mighty power. It, it, it might be tempting for us this morning as we think about the devil and all of these rulers and authorities to begin to, to let fear grow in our hearts. But I, I wanna just encourage you this morning, though there is an enemy and he's fighting against us, he cannot win. There are two people who believe that this morning in this room. We have an enemy fighting against us, but I just want you to know today he's been defeated. God's mighty power is more capable than the enemy that we are standing against and we can win. We can stand strong in God's mighty power. And then the fourth thing we learn from Ephesians chapter four is that we're called to take a stand and spiritual warfare is the way that we take our stand. Paul's writing to these Christians in Ephesus after having written to them what we looked at last week to, to let God strengthen you in the inner being and through the work of the Holy Spirit and let Christ dwell in your heart through faith and root you in God's love and fill you up to the fullness of God that we would grow spiritually. Now Paul is saying, put on the armor of God so that when the enemy tries to take ground in your life, you can take your stand. And putting on the armor of God, that is spiritual warfare. This is the way that we take our stand against the enemy. And this morning, what I want to do, just buckle your seatbelts. I got three lists for you, and they all have three things. That means we got nine points. The heat is on in here and it's cold outside. So if you just want to sit back, relax. Three lists with three points each. I'm going to go through them as fast as I can this morning. First list is this. I want to, I want to just share with you three realities that I think we have to know and understand in our lives in order to engage in spiritual warfare. Number one of the first list. First reality you need to know, the devil is real. The devil is real. I referred to it just a moment ago, but the Barna Group did this research. They asked American Christians, do you believe the devil is a real entity, a real being? More than six out of 10 American Christians said no. Do not believe the devil is real. Another 8% of those surveyed said that they weren't sure what they believed about the devil. This means that an overwhelming majority of American Christians aren't sure that the devil is real or what to believe about him. And I wanna just, I wanna just help you with that this morning. Because I think if we say we believe the Bible, we cannot then say that the devil is not real. Those two things don't go together because the Bible talks about the devil not as an abstract concept of evil, but as a real being, 
Now it makes sense why we would not think he's real because, because what scripture teaches us about him. In fact, if you look uh, in your Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it's gonna be on the screen for you. It says, no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You wanna know why we're not sure that the devil's real or why we think he's just an abstract concept of evil? Because when he shows up in our life, he doesn't come in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork saying, I'm evil. No, he shows up with light and, and false goodness that makes us think that this isn't that bad or this might actually be helpful or maybe we should listen to what this philosophy is or this perspective is because it sounds kind of good. And we're tempted to think that he's not real because that's exactly what he wants you to think. But what we know from scripture is that in fact, Satan is real. In fact, in the Bible, there are three named angels. The first one, we just spent some time reading about as we read through the Christmas story. The first named angel in the Bible is Gabriel often referred to as a messenger angel. Whenever Gabriel shows up, he has a message from God to the person or people that he is talking to. There's another angel known as Michael, and he's known as the warrior angel. He's the, the one who's doing war in the heavenlies. And then the third named angel is Lucifer. Lucifer is the one that we identify as Satan. And scripture teaches us about him. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, this is what we read. Then war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels, remember Michael is the warrior angel, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon is another word for Satan or the devil. And you say, how do you know that? Well, if you just keep reading, the Bible actually tells you. Revelation chapter 12, if you keep reading, the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. You just underline that phrase in your Bible, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, and you wanna know why we know the dragon is the devil or Satan, because the next phrase, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. This is not some science fiction textbook I'm reading from today, I'm, I'm, I'm reading from the Bible. This is the word of God. God tells us that Satan is a real being, one of the three named angels in the Bible. And he, along with other angels with him, some scholars believe up to a third of the angels rebelled against God. Do you know why? Because Lucifer wanted the glory and attention that was going to God. He wanted it for himself. And this passage says war broke out in the heavenlies and Lucifer, along with the angels that rebelled with him, were cast down to this earth. Those are the rulers, the authorities, the evil forces in this dark world. I just want you to know today that the devil is real. And again, you may choose not to believe that. It doesn't change what is true. The devil is real. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. Second thing, second reality that we need to know, the devil's goal is to destroy you. We know this because Jesus himself tells us this. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that it is the thief who comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, Jesus says, and life to the full. Right here, Jesus is saying that there are two sides and they are competing for the direction and the trajectory of our lives. And the thief's mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants nothing good for you. Even if when he comes and he presents things to you that look kind of good, that feel good and right to you, if they are not good as God defines it, the, the mission behind that thing is to destroy your life, to keep you from everything that God has for you. And here's the thing. 
The way that the enemy goes about fulfilling his mission is he tells us lies. He tells us lies. And we know this because the Bible teaches us. Second Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Spiritual warfare is not physical war. It's different. It's spiritual warfare. He says the weapons that we fight with are not of this world. We don't use guns and bombs and tanks. That's not how we fight the enemy. No, we use, we use spiritual weapons. Look at what he says. He says that our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? He goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension. You see, when the enemy builds strongholds in your life, he does that by giving you arguments and pretensions, lies that set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ. The enemy speaks lies into our lives. And when we believe those lies, when we give them even just a little bit of space, the enemy takes a foothold in our life. And he pushes that door open over time and then he sets up camp and he builds strongholds in our lives. And we begin to live our lives by the lies the enemy has told us. And then we wonder, why are we not experiencing what God has for us? Because we are not living our lives according to God's truth. See, the enemy, the way that he tries to destroy us is by lying to us. He tells us lies about ourselves. He says that we're not good enough, that we're nothing. And if we don't believe that one, then he tells us we're something. And he tells us that we don't have what we need, that we'll never get over that addiction, that we'll never have enough power to live a better life, that we'll never be able to make it, that life is overwhelming. He tells us that anxiety is just what we're, what we're cursed to live the rest of our lives with. And he will lie, lie, lie about us. And then he will tell us lies about God. He'll say, do you really think God's word means that? I know the way the church has always interpreted that verse down through the centuries, but that's not really what God says. That's not really what God means. He'll tell us lies about ourselves. He'll tell us lies about God. He'll tell us lies about the way the world is supposed to work. And if we buy into those lies, he will build strongholds in our lives and he will keep us from being the people that God has created us to be. And I don't think I have to do anything more to convince you that this is true. Just look at our world. Just look at our world. Look at the lies that people are believing right now. If you've had any thought at any point in the last year or so that when you've heard the latest headline or the latest idea that's being propagated in our world and you've thought, well, that's nonsense. And you wonder, how can so many people believe nonsense? It's because Satan masquerades as an angel of light and he speaks lies. And when we believe the lies, we end up with a life and a world that doesn't look the way God wants it to look. The devil is real and he wants to destroy you. And some of you might be saying, on the second Sunday of the new year, can't you be more positive? I am positive that the devil is real and he wants to destroy you. How's that? The devil is known in John 8 as a liar and the father of lies. In fact, Jesus says that lying is his native language. This is who he is and this is how he destroys us. And, and the enemy, I, I believe this with all my heart, that some of you are sitting in this room right now today and the enemy has built strongholds in your life. You bought into a lie. It might be about, might be about your own life. It might be about God. It might be about the way the world works. Whatever it is, the enemy told you lies. You bought into it and the enemy set up camp in your life and he's built a stronghold. 
You say, what's a stronghold? There's a definition I'm gonna put on the screen. This is how I would define stronghold, living life by something that is not true. Anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. If you've ever thought to yourself, I could never overcome that because it's just too big. It's just too powerful. It's just too strong. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I was created and I'm never gonna be free and I can never get out and I'll never get above that. I'll never get beyond that. I wanna let you know that's an indication that there's a stronghold in your life. And I wanna remind you that though the enemy wants to destroy you, strongholds can be demolished with the truth of God's word. And we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Now, I know some of you are looking for good news. So I thought I'd give you some right here. The devil's real. He wants to destroy you. But I also need you to know that the devil responds to a higher authority. First John chapter four, verse four says this, you dear children are from God and you've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You need to know that Satan and God are not two equal superpowers fighting it out to see which one is gonna win. no. Satan is a created being and he has always been and will always be under the authority of God. He has been defeated. He has no power over your life. And you need to know that today, that though the enemy is real, though he is fighting, though he has power and he has influence in this world, our God is greater and we can take our stand and win the victory in God's mighty power. Amen? Three realities. Let me give you now three weapons. And I gotta move fast. Three weapons. First weapon, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You want to know how to engage in spiritual warfare. What are the weapons that God has given us? Just speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has power and authority. In Luke chapter 10, the 72 have been sent out. They've been sent out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. And they come back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. And Jesus says, try me. I think I might. And they say, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus says, well, of course. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I was there when the great battle broke out in heaven and he wasn't strong enough. And he was cast down. So of course, the demons submit to you in my name. Speak the name of Jesus. Weapon number two, the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter two says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You wanna know how to engage in spiritual warfare, speak the name of Jesus and then remind the enemy of the work of Jesus. Remind him that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was spilled for the forgiveness of the sins of the world and that they buried him in a tomb and three days later, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead and in that moment, death, hell, and the grave was defeated and the enemy now has no power and no authority over your life. Speak the name of Jesus and remind the enemy of the work of Jesus. Remind him that Jesus is our victory. And then weapon number three, the word of God. The word of God. The enemy speaks lies, but the word of God is truth. This is why it's so important for you to be in the word of God. We don't just want you to fulfill some religious obligation and check something off a list. No, we want you to read the word of God every day to equip yourself with the truth so that when the enemy comes and says, you're not gonna be able to do that, 
You can remind the enemy, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when the enemy says, you shouldn't be generous with your resources, you can remind him that I'm gonna keep being generous because God is the one who will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. And when the enemy says, you'll never escape that temptation, you can remind him that when you are tempted, God will always provide a way out and that you can submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, when the word of God is in your life, you can speak it as a weapon against the lies of the enemy. And I want to encourage you to speak the name of Jesus, remind the enemy of the work of Jesus, and then proclaim the word of God so that every time a lie comes, you are refuting that with the truth of what God says. And watch the enemy's strongholds in your life be demolished and broken down. Three realities, three weapons. Now, let me give you three things to do every single day. Just real practical. What can you do every day? Number one, commit yourself to God every single day. Commit yourself to God. In James chapter four, verse seven, we are told, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Some of you are trying to resist the devil and it's not working. And I would suggest to you, it might be because you have not fully submitted yourself to God. You've said, I, I, really, want, I really want God's help to resist the devil here in this one area of my life. But these areas over here, I kind of like them. I'd like to keep them because there's comfort and there's pleasure and I find joy in those things. I, I just want to keep them. I know God says I shouldn't have them or shouldn't do them, but, but I really like them. So I'm going to keep them for myself, but God, can you help me over here? And I think the order in James 4 is critically important. That you would submit all of yourself to God completely, fully, hold nothing back. Give him everything. And then when the enemy comes against you, just resist him and he will flee. That is the promise of God's word. So every single day, I would just encourage you to begin your day. Just, just literally think through your body, top of your head, soles of your feet, and just commit it to the Lord. God, protect my mind today from any thought, any idea, any philosophy, any message that's outside of your will. And if anything tries to come into my mind that's outside of your will, help me take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. God, watch over my ears today. Help me listen for your voice and help me hear the things you want me to hear. And God, if there are messages coming to me that are not from you, help me block those out and to tune those out so I hear only what you want me to hear. God, watch my eyes today. Let me look only on things that are noble, excellent, praiseworthy, true. Don't let me look on things that would tempt me to go away from what you have for me. God, watch over my mouth today. Don't let me speak words that tear down or destroy, but let me speak words that encourage, build up, and share life with others. God, watch over my heart today. Keep my emotions filtered through the truth of your word. And when the enemy comes and tries to make me feel things that are based on falsehoods, would you help me correct my feelings with your truth? Help me not to be led by my feelings, but help me be led by your truth, God. Lord, watch over my hands and my feet. Take me where you want me to go. Help me do what you want me to do. Just consecrate your entire being to the Lord like Romans 12 tells you to do. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. Who you are and what you do, offer them to God as a living sacrifice. Then you'll know what God's will is for your day. Commit yourself to the Lord. Secondly, close any open doors. Some of you have open doors in your life and the enemy is pushing his way through that crack in the door. He's building a camp. He's taking a stronghold because you've left a door open. You say, what kind of doors are you talking about? Well, here's one, unforgiveness. 
Maybe you've wronged someone and you're unwilling to go to them and say, I am sorry for what I did to you. It was wrong and I'm asking for forgiveness and I would like for us to work towards reconciliation so that we can be unified. Or maybe someone has done something against you and rather than going to them and saying, hey, when you did this, man, you really hurt my feelings. You, you offended me, you, you wounded me and I've been holding that against you instead of doing that. Maybe you're, maybe you're just holding a grudge inside or maybe you're talking to all, everyone else about that person and you've left an open door and the enemy says, thank you very much. Give me an inch and I'll take a mile. Some of you need to deal with unforgiveness in your life because it is an open door that the enemy is exploiting and he is setting up camp and building strongholds. And you need to deal with that. In 2 Corinthians chapter two, I think it is. It's gonna be on the screen, so that'll correct me if I'm not right. Paul writes to them and he says, hey, there's a guy that you should have forgiven. And if you forgive him, I'll forgive him. And he says, we should do this. And here's why we should do this. So that Satan might not outwit us. Sometimes we get what we like to classify as a righteous indignation towards another person because what they did was wrong. Yeah, probably. But the last time I checked, Jesus said, you should forgive if you wanna be forgiven. He doesn't say if what they did wasn't really that bad. He just says, forgive. And some of you have held on to unforgiveness and the enemy is exploiting that in your life. Here's another open door, bitterness or anger. Some of you have anger and rage towards other people. Some of them are people that you don't even really know. They're just like people that you, you see on social media and your blood boils. And we know, because sometimes that shows up in your posts. And there's anger that comes out of you. And I wanna just remind you that anger is a dangerous thing if it is not filtered through the truth of God's word and the grace of God. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, we are told in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You gotta close those open doors. Let me give you one more. The secular ungodly influences in our world. Ephesians 5 calls these the fruitless deeds of darkness. And in fact, in verse 11 of chapter 5, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Now, there's a tension here, and the tension is, is that we have to deal with a question in our lives as faithful followers of Jesus. I have to deal with it, and so do you. And here's the tension. How much of the secular do I allow into my life? How much of the things of this world do I allow into my life? And I'm thinking about music, movies and shows, books that we would read, YouTubers we might follow, social media influencers that we might be connected to, how we engage in politics, the news media. How much of the secular do we allow into our lives? And lest you think that I'm gonna now give you a set of rules and guidelines to follow, like watch this news channel and not this one, you'll have to stay tuned for a future time because I'm not doing that in this message. In fact, I don't think it's appropriate for me to give you guidelines and rules on this issue because I believe in the Christian journey that there are some things that you may be more susceptible to than me and the Holy Spirit might tell you to stay clear of something that would trip you up. 
that he may not say to me, because I have other things in my life that I will be most prone to trip up on, that the Holy Spirit is saying, stay clear of that. And he may not be saying that to you. I actually believe that when it comes to this question, this is why we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit give us guidance and direction. And if the Holy Spirit says, don't watch that show, don't watch that show. And if the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need a little less news media in your life, put a little less news media in your life. And if the enemy says, if, if, if God's Holy Spirit says to you, hey, hey, take that social media and delete that account, you should delete that account. Whatever, whatever God says to you, you should do that. I'm not putting rules on you today. I'm just saying, listen to the Holy Spirit and close the open doors. Because I think the enemy's always looking for a way to get you. And if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll guide you in the right way. Last thing, confront the enemy in prayer. First Peter chapter five says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do every single day. Just take two or three minutes and just confront the enemy in prayer. I would encourage you to do it early in the morning. When you get up, whatever early means for you. Just, just confront the enemy in prayer. And I would encourage you to just speak the name of Jesus. Remind the enemy. Remind the enemy. Just like I did this morning when I was doing my normal, my normal walking path around the sanctuary. Praying for you. I just was reminding the enemy in this space today, hey, Satan and all of the forces of evil that have been commissioned and, 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 and sent to tear down what you wanna do in this room today, God, I'm reminding you right now that Jesus died and he was raised and you don't have any power. So go to the feet of Jesus in Jesus' name and submit yourself to his authority and let the work of God go forward in this place today. And whatever lies you're most prone to believe, you might just speak the truth of God's word against those lies. Every day I pray because there are two lies the enemy tells me in quick succession. The first lie is you're not good enough. You'll never be able to do what God wants you to do. And I just speak Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do it in my own strength. And if it's in my own strength, it'll never work. But you know what the other lie is the enemy tells me? You really are something. If he can't tell me that I'm nothing, if I won't buy into that, then he'll, he'll tell me how good I am. And I just remind myself that God always opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So Holy Spirit, would you help me just remain humbly dependent upon you? Whatever lies the enemy speaks against you, know what the truth of God's word is and speak that back to him. Now this morning, I know we're at the end of the service and maybe you're watching the clock and if you are, God bless you. But all morning long, all week long, I've just been praying, asking the Lord, what do you want to do in this service? And I know we're at the time that we're normally dismissed and the kids workers will love me later, I'm sure. But I just believe this morning that some of you have chains wrapped around your life. That the enemy has told you lie after lie after lie and you bought it. You believed it. You gave it credence. You let it become the foundation of the way you live your life. And you might be living today in chains of anxiety and worry. 
fear may be overcoming, overwhelming your life right now. You might be in depression or doubt. The enemy might be deconstructing your faith. You might be held captive today by an addiction. Maybe it's to a substance. Maybe it's to your computer screen and the images you see there. But this morning when I was praying for you in this room, I just envisioned that some of you walked into this room with chains wrapped around your life. And what I believe God wants to do today is just break those chains. That he wants to demolish the strongholds in your life. And if you'll walk into the freedom that God has for you, he wants to give you that freedom. And I just imagine today that, that when I give you this opportunity to respond, for those of you who respond, that in the place where you are seated right now, when you respond, chains are just gonna be found on the floor wrapped around you when you came in, but broken and laying on the floor at your feet because God wants to set you free today. Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he prayed in John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word, oh God, is truth. And so this morning, I'm gonna invite you to respond because some of you have chains wrapped around your life and I believe God wants to set you free today. So what I'd love for us to do is stand together here at the end of this service. And I don't wanna drag the end of this service out in any way, but I do wanna give you a chance to respond. And here's the way I want you to respond today. If you already know that you're one of those who have chains wrapped around your life, there's no judgment here. There's no condemnation. No one's gonna look down on you. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna celebrate what God wants to do in your life. But here's the thing. If you've got chains wrapped around you, you can find freedom today in the truth and power that God makes available. And what I'm inviting you to do today is something very courageous, to step out from where you're at and find your way down to this altar. You can kneel, you can stand, you can sit on these front pews if you're unable to kneel or stand. But I want you today, if you wanna find freedom, to just make your way to the front of this room and we are gonna pray for you. We're gonna sing a song that we sang earlier, which I think is a prayer over our church today. We're gonna speak the name of Jesus. And we're gonna ask God to bring freedom into this room. So God, right now, as we sing this prayer to you, as we sing and speak and shout the name of Jesus, would you bring freedom into this place? Do your work right now, I pray, God. If you wanna be free this morning from the chains that God's wrapped around your life, just step out and come forward while we sing this song and then I'm gonna pray a prayer of deliverance over you. Come as we sing this morning.